Um, good afternoon, good morning, good evening to all of us who've joined here online and also those who've joined us in person. It's a pleasure to be here this day as we engage or get through the last session of today where we are doing a book launch. Um, and I cordially welcome all of you and feel welcome to engage in the discussion. Um, yeah, feel welcome to contribute. We'll have a Q&A session. So for those online, please use the Q&A feature on Zoom. So I welcome all of us, those who are here in person and also those who are joining us online. We are grateful that you registered for this event and yeah, feel free to contribute. For those online, use the Q&A feature on Zoom to ask your questions. So we hope we'll have a session to answer the questions, but in the event that we are not able to answer, please ask the questions and leave your name and address. Oh, thank you. Leave your name and address so that this can be answered later and you can also be able to engage here. So our discussion today or the book launch today is on a food systems transformation in Kenya. And this is part of the pathways that the Kenyan government is looking at to effect the bottom-up economic plan. So this is really a timely event. It's really an event that is at par with what the government is talking about and the government is doing. And we are pleased to have a number of actors and also guests joining us who will give us their welcoming remarks. So the book in question or the book we are talking about is this book. We have some cards on your tables. So if you're in the room, please scan, then you're able to get the book in e-version. For those online also, you can scan the QR code. Um, it's not on the screen, but you can scan the QR code, then you're able to access the book virtually. So to start us off, um, I'll invite Ismahan, who's the Executive Managing Director for CGIR. We've probably met her, we've engaged with her previously, but for those who are meeting her for the first time, uh, please let's welcome Ismahan to give us her welcoming remarks. Welcome. Thank you very much, moderator. Good afternoon, colleagues. So CGR mission is to deliver science and innovation that advance the transformation of food, land, and water agri-food system or systems in a climate crisis. To achieve this mission, this mission, CGR works closely with government, with National Research Institute, private sector, and other national and international partners. And for those that have been with us this afternoon, I think you have met many of them, including TV show people. <laughs> this book is an example of a co-creation with many Kenyan and international partners, including University of Nairobi, Jomo Kenyatta University of Agriculture and Technology, TGMAO Institute, AgriMesh Africa, Partnership for Economic Policy, universities from Europe and the US, the United Nation, the World Bank, and many more. This book is a good example of how the CGR works with national partners for informing national policies and strategies in longstanding trusted partnership, co-creating evidence using cutting edge analytical methodologies, addressing important policy issues, 
and bringing the learning from a country to another country, South-South, but also South-South triangular, uh, triangular cooperation models. We are convinced that science can help solving some of the biggest challenges that humanity faces. With agricultural science, climate science, health and nutrition sciences, economics and other playing key role in finding those solutions and making them in a package that can get us to the impact that we are all striving for. Policy research is critical to food system transformation to support questions that many governments are facing today. How to increase revenues without hurting economic growth? How to prioritize public investments given limited resources? How to foster food system transformation, keeping in mind really all the stakeholders and making sure that all stakeholders have in it something and it does improve their lives and livelihoods. I'm really looking forward to hear more about the book. I know Clemens for a very long time. It's really nice to see him here in, in, in Nairobi, in Kenya. And I'm really very happy that by chance I'm visiting and I am witnessing the book launch. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Espahan. We are pleased to have you in person today. And yeah, we are excited. So yeah, um, just to recap what you've said maybe briefly, like food transformation or food systems, it's an interaction of literally everything. So we cannot look at it independently or we cannot look at one aspect independent of the other. So thank you so much. Um, the next speaker that I'll invite is... Um, the Managing Director, Systems Transformation, CGIAR, and the Director General, International Food Policy Research Institute. This is Yo Suine. Um, he should be joining us online. Yo, do we have you? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Hi, uh, I can see myself on the screen, so I hope you can uh, as well. Uh, it's. Um, I would have loved to be there in the room with you. I've been several times in, in the facilities there, and uh, I, I know how it feels, how it looks like, but uh, unfortunately, I cannot be with you uh, today. Uh, I'm, I'm as, uh, as Ismahani, I am very delighted to welcome you to the, the launch of this new book on, on food systems transformation in Kenya, lessons from the past and, and policy options for the future. There is, I think, also today, both as contributors to the book, but also the, the speakers today is a fantastic lineup of, of researchers, discussions who are participating today. We have our CGIR colleagues from various centers, including from IFPRI and ILRI, uh, but also our colleagues from KIPRA, from the University of Nairobi, from USAID, and from the President's Council of, of Economic Advisors. Uh, thanks very much for those who are organizing the event, and I think we should also explicitly mentioned the support from the uh, from one of the CGIR initiatives, the National Policies and Strategies Initiatives, which is doing fantastic work. Uh, I should commend the uh, editors and the contributors of the book by focusing on this topic. It's, it's a very important topic. We all know there's an urgent need for food systems transformation for a number of reasons. There are some structural reasons. We know that the current food system is unsustainable for a number of reasons. 
it is also not addressing many of the challenges that we face from a structural perspective. And the challenges have been worsened by a combination of, of conflicts, climate change, and some other crises that the world has faced over the past uh, decade. Uh, the new normal is no longer stability, but it's volatility. So that means the emphasis should be on resilience as a policy framework. And all the shocks that we are experiencing, that the world is experiencing, is having tremendous impacts on the food security situation, the, the nutrition situation, and, and poverty more general, or livelihoods more, more general. And so we know that these food systems uh, around the world, also in Kenya, need to be transformed. And these transformations have to take place at different levels. There is a need for changes to be made at the global level, at the regional level, but the local, but the local and, and the national level are extremely important because a lot of the policies are decided at that level. And of course, the policies, the appropriate policies have to be adjusted to local economic market structures, uh, agroclimatic uh, conditions, consumer preference, et cetera, as, as you are well aware. Kenya is at the same time a very important place to discuss this, but also a great example, I think, for the rest of the world in this, in this area of food system transformation. It has experienced rapid urbanization, rapid population growth, and this has contributed to a number of challenges, as increased demands from the urban areas, longer supply chains, etc. Over the past 25 years, a lot of progress has been made. For example, between 1997 and, and uh, 2015, roughly, poverty declined from 52% of the population to 36%. I mean, that's a huge change, huge improvement. And of course, food security has improved along with the decline of the, the, policy, uh, of the poverty levels. Now, in Kenya, as in many other regions of the, on the planet, a combination of, of, of factors have uh, reverse this progress over the past uh, five to seven years, really. Combination of uh, COVID-19, obviously the pandemic, we have had invasions of, of locusts, we have droughts in Kenya. There's been conflicts around the world affecting global food prices and also local food prices and disruptions of, of supplies um, that have affected. So the combination of these have increased poverty and increased the number of people Unafford, uh, unable to afford a, a healthy diet. I mean, the latest numbers that are also discussed in the book show that in 22 and 23, uh, the number of people classified as food insecure vary between three to more than 4.4 million uh, people. So this is really a huge channel uh, challenge to address. Um, to confront these challenges, Kenya has developed a, a very strong, I think, development strategy that where we can build upon the bottom-up economic uh, agenda, beta. And this has been uh, referred to by Kenyan cabinet secretary, by the Kenyan cabinet secretary as an approach that makes sure that markets work and more importantly, that markets work for the poor. And this is, of course, something we very much support and we hope we can contribute to that. So from that perspective also, we are very proud to be a partners with this endeavor of, of the Kenyan government. Together with um, our various partners, many local partners as well, we hope we can provide evidence and analysis to inform this strategy and, and the policies that are part of it. And I think this book is a testament to the collaboration uh, between the Kenyan government, national uh, experts, and, and CJR, IFPRI, and ILRI researchers to inform this policy making. And so I'm very, I was very honored to uh, co-sign the foreword of the book with the Cabinet Secretary for Agriculture and Livestock Development, the Honorary Mitika Lint uh, Linturi. 
Uh, the book, as Ismahani already mentioned, uh, takes a very critical look at the Kenyan food system, where it's been, where it should go, and how uh, policies and strategies can contribute to getting it there. It's a collaborative effort. We already mentioned this between um, both Kenyan and international experts, also experts from think tanks, research organization, academic and non-governmental organization. It brings together various approaches, which I think is very uh, insightful. It's also important, I think, so it looks at the global, at the, at the food system as a whole, as an aggregate, and then it has a series of case studies of different value chains, different aspects of the food system. It recommends both more general policy themes, strategic areas to be addressed, strategic measures to be taken, and very specific recommendations. And uh, we really hope this can contribute to uh, furthering the, the strategy, the improvement of the food systems and, and the food system transformation in the coming decade. So we very much look forward to continuing our collaboration with our Kenyan partners in, in uh, next year and certainly beyond next year. And we hope to continue to building on our work, informing policies with research and shared capacity. Thank you very much, all of you, for being there. And again, I wish I would have uh, been with you, but I will uh, look and listen very with great interest on the presentation and the discussions. Back over to you. Thank you, Yo. We appreciate even you joining us virtually and for the great remarks that you've given us. What I've picked from that is that food transformation needs to take a resilience approach. Like we have looked at other aspects, but it has to take a resilience approach against the shocks that you're experiencing to deal with food, food insecurity issues. Um, so our next speaker that I'm going to invite is a distinguished guest who represents the national government. Um, he'll be representing the cabinet secretary, Ministry of Agriculture, Livestock um, Development in Kenya. So this is the PS, uh, State Department for Livestock, that is Jonathan Mueke. Um, and I'm pleased to welcome you. Please join us here and give your remarks. Uh, thank you very much, colleagues, and Happy New Year to all of you. As you've heard, I'm here to represent our cabinet secretary, the Honorable Mithika Linturi, who was not able to make it here today due to other engagements. Uh, he brings his greetings and also his apologies. Uh, this book on food systems transformation in Kenya has come at a very, very timely time in our uh, country and in our government, as we have now completely shifted our government policy uh, from focusing primarily on governance issues to economic transformation. Uh, this administration's foundation is on bottom-up economic transformation, uh, which means really putting money into the people's pockets right from the grassroots. Our farming system here in Kenya is mainly smallholder farming, uh, and it contributes to a lot of uh, our economy. So we have five drivers that are very primary to this agenda of government of economic transformation. And the first one is agriculture, both crops and livestock. With that, we are looking for ways through a value chain strategy and value chain approach 
to ensure that we are able to bring economic activities around agriculture right from the market side all the way to the production side. Uh, we are also changing our economy from being primarily consumption-based to production-based and not just producing from uh, a sustainability point of view for our local consumption, but also production for export. We are also focusing quite a bit on the value addition point of view when it comes to agriculture. A lot of the subsidies now that government is doing is uh, really based on uh, inputs to ensure that we are able to help our smallholder farmers to produce and produce correctly. Quality, safety, and productivity so that also the products that we are producing in the agricultural space are competitive locally and also globally. With that, we partner a lot with institutions like CGR, the private sector, the farmers themselves and other stakeholders to ensure that we bring that capacity right to that smallholder farmer uh, so that they can have enough information to produce uh, not just the quantity, but also the quality of produce that we are looking for. Uh, we've picked a few value chains, uh, which includes, uh, include uh, sunflower for edible oils, uh, rice, um, uh, uh, tea is also one of those value chains that we've been able to pick so that we can also focus on areas that's going to bring that economic transformation quickly, the low hanging fruits for our farmers. Because our farmers also are smallholder, we are focusing on cooperatives for aggregation. Uh, and with that, the government has introduced in every one of our 47 counties, uh, county uh, aggregation and industrial parks so that we can take advantage uh, or solve the issue of post-harvest losses. Uh, like somebody mentioned here earlier with the mangoes. Uh, so with that, we are going to make sure that whatever our farmers are producing, we have a market for it and we're able to aggregate and market the same uh, just to ensure that we are able to grow our economy and also put money and add value to our farmers. So those are some of the things that this government is really focusing on in terms of agriculture, in terms of uh, productivity, in terms of economic uh, development. As I conclude, route to market is extremely important to us. So while we are producing, we are producing in mind that we have already a market for it so that we don't get into the macadamia nut situation that you had uh, one of our colleagues speak about earlier. So our value chain strategy is beginning right from the market side so that we make sure that as we are advising our farmers on what the correct variety is, is it drought resistant? Um, the technologies that will ensure that we have uh, enough uh, yield uh, or improve our yield per acre or hectare of whatever it is that we are producing. We are doing all that in mind that once our farmers are able to produce, they get a market and a sustainable, sustainable market for their, for their produce. 
so research is one of the things that we are depending on a lot. Uh, all our decisions are data driven. So we are developing a master plan, both for livestock and on the crop side with help of uh, CJR and other partners like USAID and the World Bank. So that even as we are embarking on completely transforming food systems here in Kenya, we are doing it based on research, based on data, and with uh, impact in mind. So this book on uh, food systems transformation in Kenya has come at a very, very timely time. And we look forward to continue working with all the stakeholders within this system of food safety to ensure that we are able to add value to our citizens and most importantly, commercialize agriculture and put money into the pockets of our citizens. Thank you very much. And I wish you all a very, very prosperous 2024. Santeni Sana. Thank you so much, um, Mr. Jonathan. We are pleased that in this forum, we are able to engage with the government. We are not just research um, alone or operating in our own bubble. So it's really interesting that research and the actual agenda of the government are coming to interplay. So we are so much grateful for your presence here. Um, the next speaker that I'm going to welcome represents the research and policy community. Uh, so this is the executive director, Tegemeo Institute of Agricultural Policy and Development, Prof. Gideon Obare. So just to give a uh, background for our online viewers or maybe someone who doesn't understand Tegemeo. Tegemeo is a policy research institute. Um, it's under the Division of Research and Extension at Egerton University. And the institute conducts research and analysis on policy in the domain of agriculture, rural development, natural resources, and the environment. So yeah, they are also a key actor in this whole setup. Karibu Prof. Um, <clears throat> thank you very much uh, for the kind remarks with regard to taking mail. So ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon, good evening, and good morning uh, for those who are just online in the diaspora. Um, I'm here, as you've heard, uh, representing Tegmeo. Um, and Tegmeo is part of uh, Egerton University. And um, as you've heard, um, uh, it engages in research uh, related to agricultural policy and uh, which agricultural policy then has a, a bearing on uh, uh, development in general. I'm happy to be here today to witness uh, the launch of the book, uh, the title of which, of course, you've heard. Our institution, that is Tegemeo, has been at the forefront uh, of research analysis, I'll repeat again, and uh, policy formulation striving to create um, a sustainable and equitable food uh, system. With the launch of this book, we at Tegemeo reaffirm our commitment uh, on evidence-based decision-making and transformative uh, change, and thus therefore confirm the critical role of science in this process. 
scientists and researchers um, play a crucial role in informing and shaping policy, not only just policy in general, but public policy specifically, and more so for the agricultural sector in Kenya. As we've had, agricultural sector plays a key role. It's a key driver actually for economic transformation in Kenya, the better, that is bottom up economic transformation agenda under the Kenya Kwanzaa administration prioritizes, I wish to repeat again, what uh, the representative of the CS mentioned. So it prioritizes the sector, that is the agricultural sector, alongside health, housing, manufacturing, and digital economy as key pillars for driving economic recovery. As these pillars continue to drive economic recovery, science will play an important role in demonstrating evidence-based policies, strategies, and approaches for achieving the government's goals. For example, the government set a goal of lowering uh, food costs, improving production, and lowering production costs. To achieve these objectives, the government identified fertilizer subsidy intervention, as well as a policy intervention that is fertilizer subsidy intervention as a key driver um, in a kind of like, um, uh, you know, um, implementing this uh, uh, transformation or transformative agenda. So if pre in the cause of uh, uh, this kind of like uh, programming, IFPRI and Tegemeo partnered in an ongoing project to analyze the effects of this intervention, drawing on best practices from around the region and the world to advise on how to model this intervention. This type of work uh, demonstrates the critical role that scientists and researchers play in problem identification, ensuring that they provide information to policymakers that can improve their understanding of the root cause of development challenges and designing policies, strategies, and interventions to ensure the effectiveness of public policies, especially in the face of scarce resources and numerous challenges that require policy attention. At Tegemeo, we look forward to contributing more to the sector's long-term planning, uh, such as um, such efforts to develop the uh, livestock master plan, which has been mentioned, and also as well as the phase two of the National Agriculture Investment Plan. While science and scientists continue to generate data and evidence on emerging issues at the research and researcher level, several challenges do emerge. And these challenges then impact their effectiveness in these endeavors, amongst of which are with, or already uh, some of which we know, the inadequacy of human and infrastructure capacities, 
both of which are required for effective and robust research. Number two is the limited investment in R&D, research and development via budgets and grants, which are particularly pronounced in countries that are south of the Sahara. As we navigate these waters, one challenge, which I'll call challenge number three, stands out for scientists and researchers, and that is the engagement of stakeholders, the intricacies of scientific arguments often struggle to reach the wider public, leading to gaps in understanding and potential misinformation. The challenge, this challenge now opens doors for influencers who, driven by personal beliefs or misinformation, shape public debates that are based on bad science or pseudoscience. They are also based on personal beliefs and outright misinformation. It is therefore, it calls for action for all of us to break down this complex information and making it uh, accessible to a set of stakeholders. Um, it is also important to realize um, the medium through which we communicate uh, as we share uh, the research information. Do we know uh, what is trending right now? Do we use TikTok? Do we use um, Instagram? Because whoever uses those platforms has a very significant bearing on um, uh, policy decision-making. Finally, I wish to thank you all for being part of this private moment. I believe we are embarking on a journey together because the future of Kenya Food system is within our grasp. I'm excited to hear our panelists' reflections and contents of the book. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Prof. Um, yeah, it's the role of research actors to present proper policy interventions for the government and also for other actors. Thank you for your remarks. So let's give a load of applause to our speakers. Um, so next we'll invite um, two of our co-editors. So we have Clemens Pressinger, we have Michael Kinan, we have June Wicks, Mbuthia, and we have Jemai Manjoki as part, as the four um, co-editors of our book. And today we are pleased to have some of them in person. And I'll invite Clemens and June um, to come and give their remarks. So Clemens is the country program leader for IFPRI Kenya. He's also the lead NPS initiative, CGIAR, and a co-editor of the book. Um, June is a research officer at IFPRI and also a co-editor of the book. Karibu June and Clemens. Thank you very much, Esther. Thanks to all of you. Um, for your kind words, for being here at that time of the day, and also for, for being online. You can imagine this is a 500-page book. This has been a huge effort and a huge relief for all of us now, and we are very happy to share um, this book with you today. Now, as you can see here, this book has been a true co-creation effort. We have, and I hope you can see it soon here on the screen too, I can see it here. 
we have 54 authors from 15 different Kenyan and international institutions. Here we go, thank you. Here you see them. I want to, on behalf of all the co-editors, first of all, thank all of you for your contribution, patience with the peer review process and, and, and other things. Um, we also had the privilege of getting a lot of good comments from policymakers, experts, and also from two peer reviewers. Um, so thanks also um, to those. Um, in addition, um, we are very pleased um, to have the privilege that the forward was co-signed um, by the cabinet secretary, Lynn Turi, and by IFPRI's Joos uh, Winnen. So thanks also uh, to you and, and, and to, the, to the ministry. Okay, so before we go to the actual findings of the book, um, let me make two or three more quick points. So first of all, an important point here is that this book is part of an ongoing effort um, of promoting the science policy interface in Kenya. So this is not a one-off, this is a long-standing process. And for such a process to work, the science policy interface to work, we need trust between the policymakers and the researchers, and we also need timely and relevant information. That's really key from both sides. Now, in the run-up of this book, there were several high-level conferences. We produced several uh, timely policy briefs, blogs, and consultations. Just a few examples. We had the Kenya Food Systems Conference in April 2023. Um, we had several uh, policy engagements on the high uh, cost of living, on the fertilizer subsidies, like we have just heard from, from Gideon, and also inputs to the National Agriculture Investment Plan. Now, one more thing, we have already heard about the bottom-up economic transformation agenda and the, and the five pillars. The point I want to make here is that food system transformation is really in line with this agenda. And I just want to give you a few numbers and a few examples uh, to make this point, mainly based on chapter two uh, of this book. Now, we all know the number of agriculture makes up about 22% of, of GDP. But now the agri-food uh, the, the agri system is more than the agriculture sector. So we also talk about trade and transport, we talk about agro-processing, we talk about services. Now, if we all put those together, we are actually talking about 35 or 34% of GDP and 55% of employment. So that makes it very clear that um, the food system um, is a very important part of this um, agenda, including agriculture, but also the small and medium enterprises that the government emphasizes uh, so much. Um, also, health is a very important part of the food system, especially when we talk about diets and nutrition, a key outcome of a food, food system transformation. Um, the digital superhighway and the creative economy, obviously also very important. We are talking a lot about how digitalization can help farmers uh, and the food system. Now, this is the food system framework, and this is how we have also organized the book. 
And the main takeaway here is that there are five main outcomes that we all wish to hear and have from the food system transformation. Uh, one is a more productive food system, more nutritious food system, more inclusive food system, more sustainable food system, more resilient food system. And you see that in the diamond. So the book is basically organized according to those five main outcomes. Here's the book structure. Um, you can see part two is towards healthier food systems, part three towards more productive food systems, towards more resilient food system, inclusive food systems and sustainable food systems. Now, my co-editor June will present to you one key finding and one key policy recommendation for each of those outcomes. Thank you and over to you, June. Thank you, Clement. Uh, I think now we are getting to the more exciting part of it because uh, we are all eager to know what this book has. Of course, uh, we cannot do so much justice of the 536 page document to summarize it in five minutes, but we'll try. <laughs> okay, uh, so the findings and the policy recommendation and uh, as it has been mentioned, uh, depending on the outcome, Looking at health and, uh, and agriculture and the food system is quite important. And the finding of it is that malnutrition in Kenya is primarily uh, a poverty problem. And uh, this is because of the affordability and the income of the people that cannot afford the healthy food, uh, which they need to get it. Even besides that, uh, the income and the price, we need to do more of the nutrition education, especially to the to the basic education for people to know which food are nutritious and which ones are not. And also we can have uh, create a climate, uh, a smart regulation for the food safety. We know when we take food which is not safe, this affects our health and productivity as well. So these are some of the things that come out, out of the uh, health outcome for productivity, which has been done so much, especially when we look at the food system. This has been done so much and much focus has been on it. But we see that the maize yield has stagnated for some time. And uh, even looking at it moving further to the to the production of the, of the maize or other cereals and output, outputs, we see that the agro-processing um, has become lower compared to other countries. So what does this mean? This means that uh, as much as we're looking at the productivity now, we need to start thinking about it in a wholesomely way, in a food system manner. If we increase our input and our output from the production, and that is the farm, then we can be able to revamp our industries. And that is where we can also have more employment uh, in the country. And this could be through the agro processing. And I'm, I'm happy to say that uh, if you look at better, they have uh, looked at uh, different value chains. And this could also uh, create demand for the inputs from the agriculture. And some of the policy could be even to include the private sector when it comes to, um, to these kind of output and policies to come up with the markets and the food processings and uh, also mechanization effort can be done. And we cannot forget about the digitalization when it comes to this processing. We need digitalization and not only to, the, to, to transfer money or to the financial sector, but also for the processing part of it. Uh, we need to use more modern and, and, and actually good um, technology to produce these outputs. Uh, we have our outcome, which is resilience, and it has been mentioned that we 
really need to focus on the resilience. Why? Because we also experience multiple shocks. And, and this has been a test to the resilience of our food system, not only agriculture, because then all this is linked up. And if agriculture is shaken up and the other system will also be shaken up. So how do we become resilient? Or what is what does it mean when we are not resilient? So farmers are becoming more vulnerable. And we know if farmers become more vulnerable, we are becoming hungry and we don't have food on the table. And that means also there are no inputs for the for the processing. There, there is no market for the for the seeds. There is no market for the fertilizer. So this is what it means. So how do we become resilient? So this can be done through diversification, and diversification can be on use. And also farming, we can diversify what you what you are farming, and instead of importing some of the goods that are importing, we can do them here domestically, to to just make ourselves uh, not become more vulnerable. Even for the use, uh, we can use uh, some of these output cereals, eat more food rather than just taking probably maize and ugali. We can diversify even our intake from the agriculture output, and also we can de-risk. Um, some of the shock, especially for the agriculture. And that is through giving them credits and insurance uh, to just cushion them from these losses. When you look at the outcome inclusivity, uh, you can see that we need uh, to have more women and youth on board. It's quite interesting. Uh, I had a word just recently, uh, youth quick. And if I hear that word, I just think of Kenya because this country is having a large population of the youth. It's a youthful nation. And that's why we are saying we have a youth quake. So how can we take advantage of this youth to be able to come an outcome of uh, productivity growth, use them to, to just inculcate in this food system, not only in the farm, but also in the processing, marketing, and what we've been challenged, the TikTok, uh, for them, they know better. So how do we make them have an output out of this? So to make them inclusive, what do we do? Then it's to have capacity building and not only capacity building, but also sharing with them. There's information that they have, but they just, just need a little bit of guidance and also giving them credit, but perhaps they have ideas, but then they don't have money. So they also need a good system to give them credit. For the farmers, uh, how do we include them? Uh, we can do this through contracting. And this is uh, an outcome that has come from the book. When you have contracts, and what the Bonacias was saying that we just produce, we don't know where the market is. But then when you have contracts with the farmers and the retails, supermarkets, even exporting, then they'll be more willing to even produce more outcome because they know where the, the food is going. And this also will reduce the post-harvest loss where we have all farmers producing at the same time and they don't have anywhere to bring or to take that food. Looking at the very last outcome uh, of this book is the sustainability. And how do we make this system sustainable? The good thing with Kenya is that we are very much ahead in terms of the digitalization. And if we just use this uh, potential, we can be able to have our food system more sustainable in future. And this can be through the markets, even extension services, uh, we can be able to have them in a digital space. This doesn't mean that this is not happening, it is, but then we just need to do them in a more coherent way for us to achieve uh, better objectives and better outcome. If we just have to look at all these five outcomes, I'm sure that our food system will become more sustainable, resilient, 
uh, inclusive and will have more productivity and will become more healthy. So those are the findings. Let's look at what we've learned from putting the book together. So we have some lessons that we, we, we got, uh, which are quite interesting uh, from putting the book together and just learning about the food system transformation. And one of it is that uh, this need to encourage more coherent policy design and implementation. What does this mean? It means that these policies have to speak to each other. Now we don't have to look at agriculture alone, marketing alone, transport alone, but then how do all these policies speak to each other? We have one policy to increase productivity in the farm, but then we don't have other policies that support transportation. So you have different regions having different outputs and post-harvest loss happens because we can't transport this outside. There's no marketing because those who have don't know where to get them and those, those who don't have don't know where to, to get the, the output. So let the policy speak to each other as well as the food system is framework. And also we have to um, be cognizant of the policy uh, science policy interface. And this is an example of it. We have policymakers and researchers. Uh, we have to speak more to each other and just come up with a coherent and 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 a research that speak to each other in in a certain way. Uh, what do researchers produce, and how can the policymaker consume? Uh, do we have a language that we can all understand to each other? And this is one of it: the system, the food system. Uh, another thing that we learned and came out of it is that research has to be timely. We might have very good research very good finding, but then the policymaker don't have time. So it has to be timely for them to be able to adopt this. And, and sometimes um, when it is in short notice, we can come up with something that will guide them to be able to make the decisions. And some of the things that you can see has started to happen with the collaboration of CGIR and other organizations and other partners to have such a thing. And this is just an example on what we can do together as researchers from different uh, organizations from different countries, different expertise, and uh, we come up with something that can be able to guide us. So I'll leave it there, but I know the book has a lot of very interesting outputs that uh, can guide us uh, in making decisions and learning more. And that is it, the book is out, so you can just scan. From the from the postcard uh, and get and download the book for you to read. Thank you. Thank you, June. Thank you, Clemens. In just about five fifteen minutes, you have summarized the seven hundred page book for us. Um, in this session, we would like to invite a couple of uh, panelists to give us their reflections on the book. And uh, we have a, an excellent uh, group here uh, that includes uh, people that have contributed to producing the book, uh, but also others that we think will be users of the evidence in the book. So um, join me in welcoming uh, Jane Ambuko. Please come to the front. Jane is an associate professor at the University of Nairobi. 
we have Michael Keenan and one of the editors, uh, I mean, writers of one of the chapters, Michael Keenan, an associate research fellow at IFPRI. Uh, now I think my thing has gone off. Rose Ngugi, uh, Rose was here earlier, but uh, let me introduce her again. She's mm -hmm. the executive director of the Kenya Institute of Public Policy and Analysis, and also the board secretary. Um, next we have uh, Nancy Laibuni. Nancy. <laughs> is a, a member of the President's Econo uh, uh, Council of Economic Advisors. Welcome. And finally, we have Anchele, uh, who is uh, representing the Agriculture and Rural Development Partners Group in Kenya. These are the development partners working with in, in, in Kenya and helping supporting the country in its development program. She's a, a national policy specialist in the FAO office in, in, in Kenya. Uh, earlier today, we talked about gender balance. This is real good gender balance. <laughs> um, for our panelists, I have one question to you. Uh, first, would like you to give us your reflections on the book. We've had a good overview. Uh, you have had a chance to interact with the book. Uh, what are your reflections on the book? Uh, but also, especially if you can tell us how you think it will be useful in your work, in your institution, and, and how it can help inform policy in, in Kenya. Uh, we will start from my far right, Jane, you can go first. Take about three, four minutes, please. Thank you. Thank you so much for the opportunity. First of all, let me thank you for ordering me to contribute to one of the chapters in the book. And uh, like the previous speakers have said, um, this book is, uh, it's not just academic. Yeah, it's not just academic. It's actually a book that is going to inform policy. Yes, and coming from an academic institution like myself, uh, often, we we lack reference, yeah? Reference, real, applicable, relatable reference for us. So we find ourselves referring to materials written about other countries, you know, other contexts, and we try to make our students relate to that, okay? So for me as a, a teacher, I am really happy that this book is here, not only to, as a reference to my students, but as others have said, uh, we need the, what you're calling the policy relevant research, because we do research. Often we are told that, you know, our research is not influencing policy. That is a, a theme from even in the university. So you know that, that we do research. We do research, every department. I come from the Faculty of Agriculture which has all these departments from livestock, from, you know, agronomy, I mean, plant science where it come from, economics, you know. So all this, under, in each of these departments, there's a lot of research that is going on. But what is informing that research that we are doing? 
because research we must do. Students must graduate. But how is that research influencing anything? Okay, so I'm happy that this book is not only a reference book, but also it's gonna help to guide even our research. As people have said, in each section, I, it's already, Junet has already highlighted, each section ends up with recommendations, policy recommendations. So we look forward to you know, engage with this book to guide our research so that uh, at the end of the research, you're not trying to see who is a user, how important is this research? Okay, we publish our papers and thesis and students graduated, but then so what? So I'm happy that this book, of course you said is not the end itself, but it's continuous. We'll, there'll be more others, but for us, this is good to guide our research uh, and the research that is policy relevant. So that, like you said, there isn't evidence. In fact, one of the things that came out when you're writing this book is that there isn't a lot of evidence from research. So we keep on referring to this, but you know, we need that evidence. So we as researchers we've challenged, let us generate that evidence. And that the evidence has to be relevant for policy. So that now this, this thing that we told that our research is not influencing uh, uh, development or policy should be a thing of the past. That is why that policy uh, science interface is important. And this is coming up big time in this collaboration in this book. Yeah. Yeah, thank you very much, Jane. I think uh, we recognize, you can pass on the mic to Michael. Um, recognize that there are over 36 universities, almost 40 public universities in Kenya and several private universities yet we are not taking advantage of the research output from these universities to inform decision-making. We can do much better, uh, uh, Mr. Pierce, in uh, uh, utilizing the research output from these universities. And this book is testimony that it can be done. And uh, thank you, Jane, for bringing out the point that it's useful for students as well. Uh, for our audience that's online, uh, would like to hear your comments, would like to hear your questions. So put them on the Zoom Q&A feature and we'll, if we have time, we'll look at them. And if we don't, uh, put, leave your email address there and we can address them later. Uh, Michael, your reflections and how useful the book is to your work and your institution. Thank you. Um, yeah, so first I'd just like to thank all the co-authors who, who contributed to this book. Um, yeah, it, I know it's been a long road and uh, I promise the next email you get uh, from me will be about something else. Um, um, but I think in, in um, being part of the editing team uh, uh, for this book, uh, one of the, the key insights or reflections that has come out is just the sheer complexity of, of uh, the Kenyan food system. Um, so it, it differs not only along where you are in, in the food system on the production side or, or the transportation storage consumer environment, um, but also uh, where you are in the country, the, the agroecological zone, the value chain, uh, everything's working a bit differently. And I think that's something that really comes out uh, in, in this book is there's no, there's no one size fits all uh, in problem identification or in terms of uh, uh, um, uh, the policies that are needed to support different value chains in, in different parts of the country. So I think that's something that really comes out of this book. And, and part of that, uh, it, it also comes out a bit to, 
some chapters talk about data limitations. We have a lot more data in certain areas of the food system, particularly on, on the production side. A lot of our research, you talk about food systems, okay? Uh, then we immediately go to small smallholder farmers, start talking about household surveys. And um, a lot of times we get a, a, a lot of data there, but in other parts of the food system, not so much. Uh, for example, in the book, it comes out uh, our mechanization data is uh, maybe not as good as, uh, as we would like, for example. Um, so, and I think that just goes into to what it means uh, um, in terms of relevance to our work is, okay, can we, can we do a little bit better at identifying where the data gaps are within the food system? Um, can we do a little bit better about capturing this heterogeneity across um, um, different parts of Kenya, let alone when we start thinking about sub-Saharan Africa as a whole? Um, and, and also, can we, we talk about food systems in the book, and, uh, it, um, and we have all these different areas of research and different areas of the food system, but often we don't do such a good job at linking them together. Okay, so if we do a consumer side intervention, how is that going to affect uh, producers? Uh, what needs to be in place uh, uh, in terms of storage capacity, in terms of transportation, in terms of contracts, et cetera? Um, so I think uh, in terms of relevance as researchers, is, um, let's think a little bit, uh, at least for me, to think a little bit harder <laughs> about um, a little bit harder about how all of this is interlinked and what kind of methods we're using that will, will capture all of this interconnectedness. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thank, thank you, Michael, if you can pass on the mic. Um, yeah, so the system is complex. I'm looking at the peers. It also means that the solutions are complex. And if the policymakers want to make decisions on their own, they, they face an uphill task. You have allies on this side, researchers, that will help you, you know, think through the interactions and, and the solutions that can work. Sorry? No, uh, we, 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 let's hear from the panelists and then we can come back. Yeah, so oh, Rose. Okay, thank you very much. As I indicated earlier, I'm working with the Kenya Institute for Public Policy uh, Research and Analysis. And uh, we focus quite a lot on the uh, economic uh, policy and we look at uh, uh, many aspects uh, of economic policy. So when I think about uh, this uh, book, uh, one of the things I have to admit is that uh, um, I shared it with my, with my staff already. The, you know, the one that uh, you were told to click somewhere. So I already clicked and I shared. And the reason why I shared is because uh, uh, we prepare what we call Kenya Economic uh, Report. And this time around, uh, as we look at uh, productivity issues, one of the areas that we are looking at is productivity in agriculture. So the minute I saw that, that chapter, the first thing I did was just to send to the others who are actually uh, working on it. So I look at it as, uh, therefore, um, um, as a source of material that would help us to actually uh, crystallize uh, uh, some of the things that we are looking at uh, as far as the productivity of the economy is concerned, uh, but more uh, focused on uh, agriculture. And we are not only looking at, uh, at the uh, national level, uh, but we are also looking at, uh, at the county level. So at the end of the day, then uh, one would come up with a clear mapping on how to enhance productivity across the country. The second thing that uh, is, is very significant for us as an institution 
is uh, when you think about the food systems and you're thinking about food security, uh, and I saw something on the dietary element and their health uh, implications. We have a program uh, which we call the National Information uh, Platform for Food uh, and Nutrition. Yeah. So, uh, and under that uh, platform, uh, one of the one of the areas that we are focusing on is uh, uh, how would you tell um, that a country is food uh, secure or insecure? I know a lot of the times we just think about uh, maize, but is maize the only factor that uh, would tell you that a country is uh, moving uh, in whichever direction? So I see the book uh, providing some background information uh, that would help us uh, in terms of uh, 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 answering such a question. Uh, the other thing uh, that was very attractive to me is uh, the, the focus on the youth uh, and uh, climate smart uh, agriculture. And uh, at the moment, as an institution, uh, we are working with the youth in climate action. And one of the things that uh, uh, this youth in climate action are actually also focusing on is they deal with the uh, interventions for uh, 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 climate change is actually climate smart agriculture. So it will be a very uh, good uh, uh, thing to refer them uh, uh, to look at uh, the options in terms of policies that can go to, uh, to the government. And then finally, um, is to say that uh, it provides an avenue uh, for one to think about uh, data and areas that you, you need to improve as far as the uh, data issues are concerned. I see it uh, uh, giving us a very good conversation with the Kenya National Bureau of Statistics in terms of uh, uh, the national uh, the Kenya Household Survey that is upcoming. So it will actually pro, 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 uh, uh, make a good uh, uh, starting point uh, uh, for it. Uh, and then, of course, uh, I would say that as, a, as an institute, um, uh, now that we are working with the IFPRI, even in terms of uh, uh, the, the, the the modeling unit, I see this as uh, forming a very good basis to say because I saw a lot of uh, elasticities that are mm -hmm. that are that are in the book. So I think we'll have an easy time. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th thank you very much, Rose. And um, good to hear that the book is relevant for Kipra. Um, one of the things that we have been struggling with is how to get this kind of information to ministries of planning, ministries of finance. And you, we have an ally in you in getting, making sure that we emphasize food systems are important for reducing the cost of living, for foreign exchange, all the things that we are struggling with, the solutions are here. And uh, we expect to see a lot more getting into the national planning uh, 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 processes. Uh, we'll now hear from Nancy. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you for having us in this forum. This is just a testament to say that the government is listening. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, and also it's a privilege to share the floor with my immediate former boss, <laughs> Dr. Rosemundi. I don't think we've sat in a panel together. <laughs> so that is it's interesting to see. So I think I'll just uh, return it. Our PS livestock has clearly outlined that we're an evidence-based government. We are data-driven. And that is the bedrock of the plan, what we call the Kenya Kwanzaa Manifesto. 
So this book then provides for us a lot of reference material to a lot of the issues that we have outlined in our plan. And then it gives us a, uh, or informs some of the issues that we have been grappling with around to see which specific value chains, what are the nuances or what are the unique aspects of each of the different value chains. That said, uh, the book is 500 pages. Policymakers don't have time. <laughs> I try to go through the book. I think I don't look for another shortcut of reading through it. Uh, and uh, it just took me back to remember when we were doing work at Kipra, where insist the assistance was that you give at least policy options, three scenarios. What's the worst case? What's a, you know, the scenario where you do nothing about anything? And what would be the best case scenario? So that then the policymaker can quickly make a decision. If we do nothing about the situation, then this is what we stay with. If we do something, this is most probably what will be our outcome. And alternatively, this is if we stay as we are, then we this is a status quo. So that said, it would mean it would be interesting for us to have the policy briefs. I saw that there will be policy briefs coming out on each of the various aspects. And even as we look at the policy suggestions or recommendations, we need options options that are backed by impact or numbers. What is the implication of taking that course of action? For instance, we are aware that we are doing a production subsidy on fertilizer for crops. That is not a, our full-term plan going forward. We need to know when we need to stop because everybody knows even in economics that subsidies are not sustainable. So it would be interesting for us to get information about how long we can sustain these subsidies. What are the costs or what are the impacts? We already know that we, we achieved, um, for instance, we're having our productivity of maize was about eight bags per acre. Now we're at about 12. So we said we managed to get another 15 million extra bags of maize. So it shows that our subsidy has a, had an implication, but how long and how much did it cost us and what was the opportunity cost? Those are the kinds of studies we would be interested in sitting on this side after just moving <laughs> from <laughs> from research very shortly. But that said, what was interesting for me from the book was issues around trade and transportation, issues around logistics. What does it take, the cold chain? We know that if you are to sustain an agricultural system, we now appreciate how complex the food system is. Trade and logistics and uh, transport services, what the PS was talking route to market becomes very critical. Such studies will become interesting for us. Issues around food services, and here we have the whole scope. We are talking about the value added. We are talking about the food safety regulations, the regulatory environment, how much calorific value are we having. From our data that we are having from the community health uh, promoters, uh, we are realizing that we have a lot of non-communicable diseases, that is hypertension, diabetes, which are lifestyle diseases. That boils down to issues around nutrition. So then how do we interrelate our health with our lifestyles and with what we are eating. So that would be interesting for us. And at least we have some information from our few chapters in the book. The issues around decomposing or breaking down the components of the agricultural GDP. For us, it's we are interested in having information on the different specific value chains. Want to know the impact of each value chain towards our job creation initiatives or increase in income, reduction in cost of living, so we're interested in at least more detailed, specific uh, data on each of the specific value chains. And we've had interactions with some of your team members, and I think we shall continue to interact to see what kind of and the level and detail of analysis that we need. 
So the issues that I found a bit interesting were the open questions that were at the end of the, of the book. Uh, and it's because our bottom-up uh, transformation strategy is about leaving no one behind. We recognize that we have smallholder farmers. We also appreciate that our farm sizes have been declining very significantly. Uh, if you see from the first census in 1994, and if you look at the latest census from the Bureau of Statistics, you realize that the farms that are less than half and five hectares have increased by about 55%. So that tells us that we are having a land size issue. So it means we need to put issues around technology. So we are not running away from small farms. We have already marked in our plan, we want to assist at least 2 million resource poor farmers to get out of poverty by supporting them to have resources so as they can be in production. So we are looking at, even if the questions say that, are we going to keep on subsistence or are we going to look at farm size as an issue? For us, we want to see how then we can use intensification take advantage of our situation as is domesticate. So as Professor says, we appreciate that at least now we have a homegrown book that gives us a baseline of what our food system looks like. We also need homegrown solutions based on our current situation. We have small farms, our, what we'd call our medium and commercial farms are not so many. So what, how are we going to have our food systems organized around that? The issues around inclusion, which are very key to us. We recognize that the youth is our biggest uh, dividend. You have a, a dividend or a highest number of youth who are not very interested in the kind of agriculture that we have currently. However, most of our jobs are coming from this sector. We'll have agriculture gives us the highest multiplier compared to most of the other sectors. So how then are we going to have all of them included? So even as we look at the questions that we have put uh, in the at the end of the book, regarding are we investing in our asset areas or investing again in our high potential areas? We remember that now our asset areas are the most arable, they are the largest land size we have. What can we do with it to make it profitable so that we don't go back to the, is it the Swanson Plan of 1965, where we developed our high potential areas and forgot our low potential areas? So what you're saying, in other words, is that we are leaving no one behind. It's very useful information we have in this book. Policy is dynamic, so we are hoping that we can see a more robust, um, a continuation of this work, that's what I'm saying in other words, because times are changing. The information we need is a bit more detailed going forward. We are a data-driven government, so we'd like the facts and we'd like options, not just one or two solutions, so that we know which one to choose. Thank you. Thank you very much, Nancy. Um, Two points I take away. One is that through you, we have the president's year. <laughs> and uh, two, um, that this kind of interaction is really important. We have taken note of the kind of uh, uh, information and what you need, uh, but certainly uh, a one-off, you know, two-minute interaction will not get the job done. We need to really develop a mechanism for the interaction. And we talk about science policy interface that we all need to put our efforts around in the, in the country. Let's now welcome um, uh, Anchele uh, to give her reflections. Thank you very much, Joseph. And thanks for this opportunity to also give some insights on behalf of the Agriculture and Rural Development uh, Partners Group. 
um, for those who may not know, is a group that brings together the donors and partners in the agriculture sector uh, for better coordination of the support to the sector. Um, it has um, um, a governance structure that has uh, um, three co-chairs. Uh, the current chair is uh, USAID. Um, the incoming chair is the outgoing chair or the immediate uh, former chair is the World Bank and the incoming chair is, is CIDA, the Sweden. So uh, they rotate, the, the co-chairs rotate after one year. And um, the whole idea is to ensure that the support that is provided to the government, primarily through the Ministry of Agriculture is coordinated, sharing information, building synergies and so on and so forth. Uh, so today I work with FAO, uh, but today I'm here uh, representing the chair of the Agriculture and Rural Development Partners Group. In short, they are called the RDPG, who was not able to be here uh, with us. Um, just quickly, in terms of reflection of the book, um, I know the issue of timeliness has been mentioned, uh, and I think I need to, to bring it back again on the floor. The book is very timely. Uh, looking at it from the perspective of, uh, you know, the work started just at the onboarding of the current government, the release of the plan. And if you look at it, it actually provides some very good um, options, if I may, if I may, <clears throat> that may help the government in uh, operationalizing or accelerating the operationalization of the bottom-up economic transformation agenda. And I'm happy to be here with my friend, Nancy, uh, when I talk about uh, better. On top of that, in terms of timeliness, not so long ago, the, the food systems, the UN Food Systems Summit, I think for me, when I look at that book, it kind of helps to download or unpack further the pathways that the country you know, um, ascribed to at the end of the summit. So it really will help the country in terms of looking at the options that uh, can be implemented to, to realize the pathways, the better, and so on and so forth. Um, it's very insightful um, in terms of informing not just policymakers, but also stakeholders within the food systems. Um, it has a lot of insights in terms of uh, possible areas of uh, uh, priority areas of intervention, investment, and so on and so forth. So it's a, a book I would recommend that be disseminated even further beyond um, this platform uh, so that it reaches as many stakeholders as possible within uh, the food system. Uh, looking at um, some of the uh, priorities articulated in the book that resonate with the priorities of the agriculture partners group. One area I noted is the emphasis on the policy coherence. Uh, the need for policy to be coherent at the intergovernmental level, at the cross-sectoral level. And that is an issue that has been quite uh, a challenge in the sector over the years. There has been solutions provided or attempted um, by the government with the support of partners 
through various coordination mechanisms, but we are not there yet. So it is a, an area that also the, the agriculture donor and partners group really uh, are passionate about and have supported over the years. And again, the issue of ensuring that there is coherence between policy priorities and also public expenditure. Because again, the government may have the very clear um, policy pr priorities articulated very well, but when you look at the expenditure and you zoom in, you may find that there is not, the coherence may not be very good. Is the government putting the money where the priorities are? So again, that is an area that comes out uh, very clearly. Um, otherwise, um, I, I think in terms of um, giving policy options and uh, emphasis on the need to link the, the, research, the science, scientific research to policy, very timely in terms of the need for evidence-based policies. And this is more important even now when you use the food, uh, the food system approach because of the scope involved. You really need the evidence, you need the research to in inform the policy decisions. So to me, I think uh, on behalf of the agriculture partners group is a very good tool also for advocacy is a very good tool um, for identifying possible priority areas for investment going forward. But I think also the need, um, it, it, it is an example of how the linkages between um, researchers and policy decision makers, you know, can be brought to bear so that you have one common tool that is really guiding decisions and discussions. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much, uh, uh, Anne. Um, very helpful comments. Um, the, the, the relevance of the book, the timeliness, uh, but also the emphasis on policy coherence. And it's one area that the, the CGIR initiative uh, that uh, helped produce this book, the National Policies and Strategies Initiative, is investing in um, helping build coherence around food, land, and water systems. Um, those are our panelists. Uh, maybe we have two minutes for uh, uh, some online, either a question or a comment, and perhaps to be responded to by our panelists or the presenters. Uh, Michael? Hello. Yeah. Hi, uh, really great comments and everything. And I think people online really appreciated them. Very much in line with what you were talking about, there were two main questions. And one was, gets to the size of the book and how you use and really like, you know, how, maybe it's a question to the people who produced the book, but, you know, how are you going to get the key messages? How do you get the information that you were talking about, the more dynamic, you know, information that's needed? To really engage with the with the uh, policymakers, and the second question was similar, but it was someone was interested in what was the methodology of the book, how it was produced, and how did you involve policymakers in the co-production of the the book as well, uh, to make sure you were you were getting the right information. Okay, well, ask Clements and Michael to say something about those two. 
questions. So I, I yeah. knew that these questions were coming. <laughs> so I had that those, those two slides. So yeah, I, I, I think that's really the key, the timeliness of the, the information. So what you see here is a 500 page book. But like I had said before, in the run-up of the book, we had a food systems conference with a lot of policymakers involved, with a lot of researchers involved. In the run-up of the book, there were also several blogs on the fertilizer subsidy, how is it working, phone surveys, etc. Um, so we hope that we have done what you have, what you are asking for, but clearly we can always do better. And I really feel encouraged by by this panel. Now this is what. Uh, uh, honestly, the, the hard work that goes in a, in a book like this um, becomes so easy when we hear how useful it can be for university students to Kipra stuff, China. to presidential office, to the donor group. That's really heartening and, and, and this really gives us a lot of encouragement. And I would like to, to thank you uh, for, for encouraging us like yeah. this. Maybe Michael would a you short comment from Michael something? if if you have yeah. Uh, yeah, so just uh, uh, um, two comments, one on the length. Uh, yeah, we as Clemens mentioned, we also uh, have a policy brief. Uh, um, uh, there's a concluding chapter chapter that pulls together all of the key policy messages, and then each chapter generally ends with uh, um, a bit of a summary of the policy implica implications. Uh, so it's not necessary to go through all 500 pages to pick up the key messages of, of the book, although I encourage you to do so. Uh, um, and, and then two on the, on the methodology, I think, uh, I think the methodology of the book itself uh, reflects a lot of the complexity of, of the food system. So different questions and different problems require different methodologies. So we see some, uh, uh, we see some modeling, we see some high level descriptive statistics, we see RCTs, qualitative uh, uh, data analysis, a lot of secondary data analysis, uh, um, even, even some more uh, review style chapters. Um, so I, I think that uh, the, the methodology is, is quite diverse, reflecting the diversity of problems that we we have in the um, uh, in the food system. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Michael. I think we have to bring this to a close. Um, thanks to those who have put their comments online on the Q and A uh, feature, and thanks to our panelists. Please join me in thanking our panelists for their very insightful comments. Um, uh, I would like now to invite uh, Apollinaire, uh, the EURI Director General and also uh, Senior Director Livestock-Based Systems and also Managing Director. Yes, please. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Resilient Agri-Food Systems to give us his closing remarks. Apollinaire. So thank you, thank you, thank you again. Uh, after such a good session, if you're not careful, you can dilute a very strong message that you've heard from people. I will therefore be brief. So let me start by acknowledging and thanking uh, P.S. Jonathan Mweke for spending almost an entire day with us. We appreciate it. And through you, we would like to send our thanks to C.S. Honorable Lunthiri for co-signing this and supporting this. And through you, we know that this will end on the table of 
the highest person on the government. So, and we also thank the government of Kenya for creating this really uh, environment for us to do this. So my colleague, Yo Sweden mentioned that Kenya offers a place and, a, and, a, uh, and also an example. It's a place, the convening, the accession, and you know, the ecosystem, you know, you can hardly write a book that you bring a diverse group of people that we are here and everybody likes it. You know, it means, you know, bringing this um, group, diverse group of people in Kenya to rally around this book is really important. And I want to acknowledge also um, our executive managing director, Ismahan here and the deputy Guillaume, who are here. Thank you for coming to be part of this discussion. And hopefully we'll continue. Acknowledging also uh, Eliane here uh, at the CG Center based in Nairobi. Together we create a very strong ecosystem from the CG. Uh, Abdul Tenkwano, congratulations on your appointment. You're also on your first few weeks or day on your tenure as ECPA Director General. It's with you, we want to really do the business. I think we are here, all of us here. And you know, in the final part of my remark, I'll really just say what I think a book like this should help us to do. I also want to thank CALRO, the Kenya Agricultural Livestock Research Organization, for really being a partner. Early on, CIMIT showed all the things that they have here. They, they're not in, in CIMIT uh, headquarters or whatever, but they're really embedded here with our national program partners. It's really an important construct that we want to continue to take out of Kenya and, and use that as a prototype of how we, we, we work. The industry is here. If you get an innovation, something, and the industry partner is not there, it's not going to take you anywhere. So they have the amplification and then they have the type of investment that we really don't have access to. And the scientists themselves, we're here celebrating work done by scientists. And I think that's really um, an important component. And I want to thank my colleague scientists for doing that. We're here celebrating a partnership. You know, this book here is a partnership. And I think we should do more. The moment we have this book on the table, we really have to really come together, you know, and, and be able to, to digest it. And P.S. mentioned that there are some drivers for economic development here. And I think it's very important. What's the role of the agriculture sector and things like that? And, and uh, sorry, um, Nancy, when she reviewed the book, she said, can we deconstruct the contribution of all uh, various value chain to the GDP? I think if you do that, then you have also mentioned yourself that the amplifying factor from agricultural derived GDP is there. We can do more. We can even go in there and try to see what each sector do so that the investment is made at the right place. You, you, you use that evidence. The PSA, we're a data-driven, evidence-driven government. So I think this is the evidence that you need. But sometimes when we have books like this, we don't consume ourselves. We really have to consume this so that we are consistent in the evidence that we use. It would be deceiving if when I say, oh yeah, it's 10% here in Kenya. Somebody say, no, it's actually 15%. So this book has a lot of the statistics. Let's use it so that we are consistent. We are telling the same story. One person comes and says it's 10%, the other one is 15%. Well, quite close, not close, not quite, but we should use this, we use it and when we get to a point where 
we need to change the data that we're using, things have changed, then we do it so that we're really consistent. Because if you're investing on a 10% versus 15%, it's a very different story. We don't want to tell different stories. I think that's my call that we really have to um, consume this book. It's about knowledge generation. We generate a lot of knowledge we put in scientific publications. We don't get together, you know, we celebrate science, nature, paper, this, but we don't get together to talk like this. So we are taking our knowledge to into a different kind of thing. Yes, it's a big book, 500 pages. The policy briefs are there, but it's a book for everybody. You can go in to just read one chapter. But I think it's, it's really important for us to take our knowledge out of these specialized and cost-driven you know, driven journals into things like this so that the consumption is there. The demand also that we heard is the policy briefs. When you have a book like this, if you go, you have two minutes with the president, what do you tell him? extract this thing here, it should be half a page or one quarter of a page. Those are the policy briefs that we can generate from here. So the final thing I want to mention is we all stand here and say, well, you know, we're a big organization, we're everywhere in the world. We think global. We really think global, but we have to act local. If we really are not acting locally, it would be hard for us to show impact. Let's celebrate this book. We are the CG, we are the donors group, we are everywhere in the world. But this is something that we're doing for one country. So when um, Michael was talking about the complexity of the food systems in Kenya and things like that, one country is already complex. We have to focus and provide solutions uh, for local problems. And I think it's really important for us to take this message. We, we think globally, but then we act locally so that when you're driving in the street of Nairobi in rural areas of Kenya, you can see the impact of your own interventions. You can see what you have orchestrated from your own, from your own work. So really um, something to celebrate. And I think uh, I would like us to leave this room with the book as a product that we should consume. We have to be consistent on the data. We have to use the same evidence so that you know, we don't have to explain. Your colleagues say it was 15%. Why are you saying it's 10%? No, we, we, we can try to do that. On this, I really want to thank uh, Clement and, um, and Joseph. On my first day in the office, they dragged me to the food system conference, which was also one step to get to this book here. I did not know what I was getting myself into on the first day, just flown from somewhere. You don't even know who is who and you went there. So it was a very good meeting and we're still reaping the benefits. Even myself, the excitement that I took from that meeting is really what I'm trying to express here. Also reflecting what we've heard from the colleagues here. On this, I think we should end it here. It's been a great day. We, you're also invited to a cocktail session that will happen. Shirley, am I saying the right thing? Yes, okay, good. Okay, so thank you so much. Let's thank those who promoted this book. And a special thank to Jo Sweenen, the DG of IFPRI, his institution led this. Of course, we're really part of this. Who couldn't be with us? And you and I, we're partner in crime in some places. Thank you, Jo, if you're still there. And congratulations to those who really serve us with some good gift at the beginning of the year. Let's try and read at least part of that for, uh, for 2024. Happy New Year to everybody. It's been a good day. And thanks for visiting with us today.